What's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chat 10 Sports, where we're talking all things Tennessee sports and everything in between. Feel free to chat live with us right now, interact with us, or if you're listening after, connect with us through social media by finding us at Chat 10 Sports anywhere that you are on social. Also, if you're new to us, go to chat10.com and see everything we've got going on. But let's lock it in for a brand new show. Good evening, everybody. Welcome in. We have an incredible lineup of things to discuss tonight because what a crazy, crazy weekend for NFL, college football, all over the SEC, all over the NFL because a lot of bad teams were competing with some really good teams yesterday and vice versa. And as your boy uh, Chase and I both <laughs> fell asleep right at game time, had to do some rewatches and get caught up on the uh, the old Titans yesterday, but obviously caught the finale of the Kansas City loss. We will discuss that in the latter half of the show because the balls <sighs> got shook, boys. And sure uh, did. it was one of those things out of the gate. We can come out and just, you know, it's, it's really not just disappointing. I All credit to Georgia, in my opinion. Sanford Stadium was electric. Obviously, the defense was stout. It was fantastic, and it was one of those things that sometimes you just got to let it run. And thankfully, in the second half, Kirby kind of pulled the dogs off. But Chase and Blake, welcome in. Um, what were your thoughts for Tennessee and Georgia? That was a tough one, man. I, uh, I was back at a wedding for our – what feels like our kind of our second biggest game, if you want to look at it that way, from our from our coverage perspective, maybe the biggest game towards that time. But getting the first half and then eventually rewatching the second half, man, like this Tennessee team never ever felt going into this game like it could be stuffed, mm-hmm. it could be stopped into a fast like you just have to outscore Tennessee type of deal. Uh, and boy, that was that was wrong. Um, I was like, man, you know, ten- Georgia lost so much last year to the draft that you're thinking, yeah. no way, they're just going to be this talented again. And that was a very impressive job by Kirby Smart in that defense. Sure, Blakey. I mean, it, it's the same thing. Um, admittedly, I thought that Tennessee would have a better showing. Um, they weren't awful by any means but you know we're used to this team putting up as many points as they have and granted athens is one of the hardest away stadiums in the sec to go into to come out with a win um but i really thought that tennessee would be more in control of the game than they were and it really didn't feel at any point like the game had been taken over uh by them because i mean it can it can turn on one or two plays um but just a heck of a game lived up to the billing was definitely looking forward to it a few weeks ago, even after the Vols beat my Alabama team, I, I couldn't wait to see, you know, Tennessee and Georgia. Um, but I, I was really surprised that there wasn't more scoring mm-hmm. uh, on Tennessee's side. Um, but it, it's just very unusual. I mean, any number of factors could have played in, but it just, yeah. they, they could just never, they were always on their back foot almost just couldn't yeah. get it going. And it was from the initial fumble. I was shocked to see, you know, I know Tennessee right now is plus nine on turnovers going in, which is, I think, the best in the SEC. Um, but to get that ball, obviously, I thought the way it was rolling towards Senton, you know, excuse me, Bennett and falling on it, and all of a sudden that we we got on the ball, the Vols got the ball. 
just could not get the offense going, and it seemed full tilt. And I want to get you guys' thought, and I see some people rolling in here. Feel free to chat with us, share your thoughts about the outcome for the Tennessee Vols going out down to Sanford Stadium in Athens and coming away with a, a defeat at 27-13. But a lot happened for me in the sense of, obviously, we made comparisons when we had Davey, uh, Davey on last week from uh, OutKick in Fox Sports Knoxville talking about how Georgia is that that Conor McGregor fighter. They've done this. They've been to championship rounds. They showed it. That defense, and this is what I want to ask you guys, defense and just stout performance and crowd noise, which played a bigger factor for you guys, or was it just a combination of the death trap of both? But which one played a factor to you guys more? Mm. I'm – You you got to tip the hat to the defense for me, but by God, did that atmosphere cause them problems? Really yeah. caused the balls a lot of problems. But that defense did everything right. And my number one takeaway, you know, gave them a little partially hungover <laughs> video yesterday, and it really was amazing how on those little side bubble screens that Tennessee loves to run to the wide receivers they made every first tackle. And that's a big deal because usually, you know, you're, you're high, you're brew, you slip out of one of those tackles at the 10-yard game. Yeah. That gets the momentum rolling. That just opens up the door for so many things. It just never happened. They just never slipped, especially early, especially early. Georgia made every right tackle that had to be made. And as I said in the video, like that's, that's probably like the best attribute in college football. Because it's such piss poor tackling. I mean, that's okay. They're young kids. Mm -hmm. I, I get that. I'm not just trying to like, you know, say that every, every team's bad. I'm just saying it's just hard. It's hard because there's so much speed, especially when you're high. You're McCoy. You're Tillman. These guys are really talented. But Georgia made every first tackle, and Tennessee uh, didn't do a great job. Uh, with yeah, noise. And I, 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 as I mentioned, the plus nine turnover, you can see how the Vols can create them. By, you know, they're all going for the ball. And when three guys at the same time are going for the ball and no one's grabbing legs, no one's wrapping up or anything, they're easily going to get, you know, the additional yard. But, Blake, what would you think about – I mean, Sanford was electric in my opinion. You could hear it on the broadcast. I had several friends there that were just saying, dude, I've been to Neyland, all that stuff. But, Blake, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, you could definitely hear it coming through on the broadcast. I mean, everybody knew that this was going to – I mean, I think they said that this was like the hardest – like the most expensive ticket to get in all of college football. It set a new record, yeah, uh, which which doesn't really surprise me, you know. Um, but I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, the defense for Georgia played lights out. They shut down the pass. Uh, even on the offensive side, I mean, we're not used to seeing, you know, Stetson Bennett like the Patrick oh Holmes – running no. around out there but you know i'll be darned if he didn't do it just enough uh to make the difference but i think when you I mean, the crowd was definitely in it that i mean coming from an alabama fan where we definitely struggled at texas and definitely struggled at tennessee with crowd noise i think yeah. the synergy of both the crowd and the defense you know i don't know that you can blame one more than the other but i just think that both of them definitely played a huge factor yeah, and I know several people were tweeting, including Chase and I both, of this momentum that the the dogs were getting, and it's the fumble. Nothing, you know, what three points came out of that drive? But here's the big thing that just killed me was the self-inflicted penalties on the offensive line. What eight false starts? The Vols obviously are, I think, I don't know if they're ranking in the SEC, but it was noted throughout the game that they are they're leading in some categories as far as um, 
overall penalties, which looking at the Alabama game, like you mentioned, like we talked about, that game could have changed at any direction, but the amount of penalties that Alabama had, we, as the Vols, did that to ourselves. So it's one of those things that just another factor that that I wanted to to throw out there, but I do want to say hi to Hugh Gray here coming on YouTube. Appreciate you watching. The UGA secondary won the game by shutting down the pass. It looked easy with the pass rush. Obviously, Hendon, he had three balls. Three balls that were maybe two yards, three yards, four yards, too long, too you know, wide, whatever it was. But it's all those hypotheticals that you can play through of if they landed and neutral site. And that's one thing I'll go to the grave right now saying and die on that hill. I do believe if Georgia plays in the playoff at a neutral site and the Vols can get their stuff going, Georgia can do their thing. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be one of those same knockdown. This is that moment for me. This is what I was thinking about. Rocky Balboa. That's, that's what the Vols were. They went in and got pounded. They got the reality check. And we're gonna see. I mean, the heart is there. I was at a point, the game started to be so long-winded. I was at a point towards the end of the game where it's like, I'm ready for this to be over. But the yeah. balls were still going. And I'm like, it's a wonderful thing. We talked about culture with Davey Hudson last week. But all that to say, that was one factor. Um, I did not anticipate Hendon looking so shocked, kind of shell-shocked, but the momentum that just it seemed like it poured on layer after layer. Yeah, it it's quite a while, too. Like, I mean, I, I'm sure the, the crowd noise does play a factor, but it was just the tension around it. Um, I think that that adds on to it, but I think the early tension you could see didn't love the play calling early from Hypel. I don't love these really, really quick, and that might have been a nerves aspect of like how fast they were trying to run through the the fake the play action. And you're just like, ah, fake quick handoff. And it's like, okay, that doesn't, you're not, you're not scared anybody. You're not getting anybody with that. And that pressure was already there for Hendon. And I just feel like his nerves built up so much early on and just missing stuff. He, he, even early, they were throwing high. He was throwing high, throwing a little behind. Nothing was accurate. Um, it just seemed like he was off from the get go. It was a huge game for him. It was a, oh, now I'm the front runner. Now this Tennessee team is the front runner. And that's a tough spot to be in for a team that's whew, it's been a long time since you've even thought about front runner. Yeah. And you were you're the one that has to fend off the top of the, the hill. That's tough. And it showed that they kind of weren't ready for that. And that's a tough pill to swallow. And Georgia was like, Hell, you you guys are number one. That's cool. We'll uh we'll show you. And I know it's home turf and uh, there's a lot of a lot of shit talk that went on this week about oh cute ninety thousand stadium like stuff like that you know pitiful trash talk from any sort of fan bases but guilty right here I'm sorry. guilty yeah 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 oh no we we've all done stuff, <laughs> stuff like that yeah no it's crazy yeah we got cocky and it was yeah. something that again Davey mentioned last week going into the game and but it's also the reality right now which is a topic I want to bring up of how cocky Georgia fans are today. And how they oh feel that they have, I mean, I've had several like coworkers, friends, you know, and some of them are cordial and some of them get it like, hey, it's a game and mostly people who have played the sport. But there are legitimately, not naming any names, people out there who are putting their identity and their life into this game and their weeks or days or whatever it is are swayed. And I'm, we've all been guilty of that. And you get so caught into it. I know we'll talk Titans and that's probably relevant there. Um 
but yeah, it's just amazing to see how we're accused of the cockiness. I know George has been there, but act like you've been there. You know, hey, good game, appreciate it. That's that's my two cents about Georgia. But what do you think coming out? And I know we can kind of move into some other topics here with Tennessee, but where do you think? I mean, controlling the controllables and how you can improve because there's no moral victories and all that kind of thing for both the Vols and the Titans. You got you, and I was afraid of that zero and two weekend. We got to find a name for this weekend where t- the Titans and the Vols both lose, but. um what do you think they can do? I'm, I'm thinking of penalties, but what other things can they control and what, what can they do to improve? Because obviously we'll talk about playoff spots and rankings and we'll debate that kind of stuff. But where do you think they can get better? Or I guess have to get better if we're talking about playoff. Hmm. What do you think, Blake? Gosh, I mean, it, we're all jockeying for position at this point, you know, and and is much as it sucks to say this, there's always going to be a problem with preseason rankings because mm-hmm. losing one game early in the season when you're, you know, maybe bottom half of the top 25 versus losing one game when you're ranked very highly, it really shouldn't, it really should impact them both the same, but it doesn't because we have preseason rankings and, you know, things like that. So we're kind of at that point of jockeying. And as you alluded to, Tennessee is kind of in a good spot now where it sucks. Yeah, because they lost this game, but, you know, maybe they have that extra time to kind of rest when the SEC championship is going on and they kind of backdoor their way in. Uh, Is this the same discussion we're going to have in a couple of years when we have a 12 team field? Probably not. Yeah. Um, I can't, I still think that 12 is too high a number. That is one of my hills I will die on. I think the number's eight. I think the number needs to be eight. I mean, power five schools, auto bids, and three at large. I think that's where it needs that's to be. That's a good but, way to go about it. But I'm never going to complain about more football. I'm just not, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're I'm not. For it. I'm like, um, but as far it. as, as far as what to improve, I mean, this is the time, this is the time of the season. I mean, you're halfway home. So you've really got to establish what you can fix and, you know, whether that be penalties, whether that be discipline, you know, speaking from a point of a, an Alabama fan at this point, this is a position that they are not very familiar with being in. They have two regular season losses. It hasn't happened in a while. Um, and, you know, there's part of us as a fan base that want to be like the sky is falling because it feels like it is. We're not in this position. But then you look at it, you have to take a step back. And you go, well, we lost two games, but we lost on the road at Tennessee, you know, by the narrowest of margins as time ran out. And we lost on the road at LSU. And when all is said and done, I mean, you're looking at Alabama, the argument could be made that Alabama may end up playing the hardest schedule this year because of all the teams they ended up facing that turned out being really good. And they're going on the road to Oxford this weekend. Who knows what's still got a rivalry game with Auburn coming up. So I know that's a bit long winded, but all that to say, you know, it's it's one of those things where you're just like, you got to control what you can control. And I mean, if you've got to fix something, you better fix it very quickly because uh, you're running out of time. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, it's combined four points that you guys are out. And that's the crazy part is Tennessee does have the easier part of their SEC schedule coming up, but you can't let the like the, the the heartbreak get to you because it does feel like the path is there. We're, I know we're fixing to get to it, but man, it is, it's tough to know that you don't really have a shot at Atlanta anymore. 
Um, I think that takes a little bit of the wind out of your sails. Um, but they have they have some things to improve on. I think that um, as Craig mentioned earlier on in, in the comments, yeah, establishing the run at the right time. Yeah, that was a that was a really bad play from from Heupel and Gullish. I thought that they could have they could have really established some physicality early. Not it's not it's not calling scared, but it's just one of those things. It's like oh, we're gonna get them. And it's like you're not just gonna get Georgia, you know. They're gonna they're gonna be able to cover you in the secondary. This is by far the best secondary they played. Right. Uh, I, going into both games, I I thought that Alabama's front seven would be better than Georgia's, but Georgia's front seven just played better. Um, I thought they brought like as you mentioned earlier, they uh, oh gosh, damn, I'm getting fixing to get a freaking restart. <laughs> You are, yeah. So, but yeah, Georgia, Georgia really, really brought the pressure. And as you mentioned earlier, that's going to be one they're going to look back on and be like, "Hey, this offensive line has played really well, but now they've got some things to work on, and we got to get some guys a little bit back to to health." And they were beat up too. So, Mm -hmm. uh, figuring out some protection stuff because now the 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 eyes out there. Yeah, and it's well, a lot of a lot of bad football out there for the Vols right now that people have looked at and said, okay, Georgia kind of, you know, showed some things, obviously. I mean, I, I think more than anything, obviously self-inflicted wounds with the penalties, but mentally once that momentum shifted and that it's, it, Tennessee got Neyland, Neylanded mm-hmm. or whatever you want to say, they got the treatment that they put out for a lot of teams to make it really hard to do their thing. And yes, the cockiness of we can hang 50 points on anybody, yada, yada, yada. I think that we're going to see this team hit the ground running this weekend. I think they're going to continue going through. And I, and I do want to talk about this. Steven Snyder, appreciate you joining. Still got a chance at the playoff or at least the Orange Bowl. Uh, go Vols. So let's talk about this because the, all, the whole hypothetical, I mean, do you see a clear path of all the teams that we're talking about with all the conference championships? I'm convinced Tennessee is going to be one of those four teams given – beating five ranked teams, having the point average, having, I mean, the whole, the whole story, it is just, it's too good of a story to not allow into that playoff. Um, But if there is anybody else out there that deserves the spot over Tennessee right now, who do you think that would be? So I guess two questions there to throw at you guys. Mm. I mean, not to sound homer, it just, it doesn't feel like there is anybody because who are you going to, I was actually on the phone with JJ today, actually just walking around here like an hour ago. And it really does feel like if USC goes all the way through and wins out, that's probably somebody they'd put in a one loss USC Pac 12 champion. Um, TCU really looks like they're going to run the table. They're yeah, good. I was say, who, how do you feel about TCU? Because they, they seem kind of polarizing right now. They are polarizing, but they are pretty good. They are pretty good. I don't. I don't think they're. I, I. I. don't think they're better than Georgia. I don't. I don't think they're better than Ohio State. Ohio State frustrates me because I watch them play at times. And I'm like, holy shit, these guys can score. <laughs> uh, and um, I, I'm. I'm very impressed. But then they go out and just lay these like 21 point games against crappy Northwestern. It's like I. I don't know what. I don't know what they are. They're like yeah. this NFL season that it's. It's drunk. But. <laughs> Go home. It's, yeah, go home. Go home. 
Um, no, I'm not restarting yet. I don't know what could happen, but okay. I'm, I'm just laying <laughs> and waiting here. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I do think, I, I think that what's weird yep. is I don't know if they're going to give it to the Ducks because it'd be really hard because it's the same exact scenario. It's just earlier. It's what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. Do you guys think, because I mean, if you have the three, whatever main conference champions get in the undefeated, if you got Georgia, if you got Ohio, let's say it's Ohio state. Um, I don't think they'll give a one loss Michigan over us. No way. Um, and then you have TCU. So then it's one loss Tennessee. It's a probably a pretty, I mean, I, I watching USC, they're good. I mean, they've got Caleb's super talented. Um, one loss USC, one loss Oregon. Would you put either one of those over him because of the what have you done for me lately? I wouldn't. I, I couldn't. I couldn't see that. I, I don't. Right. Um, I will say before we uh, move too far away from the TCU thing, if you ever catch a TCU game on TV, I need you to pay attention to the size differential between the TCU players and the other players in that conference. Because it seems like they're trying to go the route of, oh, we're going to build our team like an SEC team. We're going to have yeah. these huge athletic guys. And uh, it's it's really funny to see, you know, just the differential there. It's like <laughs> it's like a team of bulldozers out there. It's like, okay, I, I don't want to tackle that. I, I don't want to deal with that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think TCU's got a really good argument. I mean, like you said, it does look like they have every chance in the world to run the table. But will they take care of business? I mean – Historically speaking, that conference tends to crap the bed at least one time a year in a game. They have no business doing so. And I mean, that's not to say that somebody in the SEC couldn't do the same thing. I mean, Tennessee needs to take care of their business, too. Mm -hmm. But I I fully believe if if Tennessee takes care of the rest of their games, I I think people will be out of their minds to not include them in their top four. Yeah, I agree. And I think the conference championships, because I, I think Michigan is going to come out uh, on top of, of OSU. And I think, well, Cle- man, Clemson. Let's talk about some Clemson, Notre Dame. I'd had Dang. a feeling, had a feeling last week. And Clemson I do want to got exposed finally. Yeah, finally. But I do want to say uh, thanks to Nicole Chipman jumping in here you know, with some comments as far as. I uh, don't think the Ducks over Tennessee, but Ducks over USC. That would be an interesting conference that, final that's, there. That's going to be a good one because Bo Nix is is playing some damn good football. What has gotten into Bo Nix lately, by the way? Maybe it's the I, Pacific I want to know what her name is. I really yeah, want to know what her name is. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. There, there are some beautiful ladies up there in Oregon that have taken good care of him. I will say that. I don't know who he's, her name is, but she he's got something. Yeah. Or maybe spirit animal or something like that. Something, Shout out something. to Nicole who lives in Oregon. <laughs> oh, there she goes. Um, I was wondering. She, I was like, there's a lot of duck love out there. Maybe she has some inside scoop on Bo Nix's love life happening right now. Uh, <laughs> to, to just make light of that. Um, I think though, uh, I forgot what we were discussing specifically. Uh, going to Notre Dame, um, obviously a huge shakeup there. I, I some of these teams, LSU, Notre Dame. I know Notre Dame's just cracking the top twenty-five right now, but they're making good strides as a program, obviously coming out of Brian Kelly. But then LSU, I just I, I'm not surprised at Death Valley. It's what every Tennessee fan was praying. Don't give us the night game at Death Valley. But Notre Dame, Clemson. Do you think Clemson? Oh, obviously, they're they're out of the the conversation for playoff, right? I mean, they're they're done. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, yeah so second. many struggle wins over the course of the season, and one finally was able to finish the job mercifully. 
The bad news is, is that it's Notre Dame, so I'm sure they'll be ranked in the top two this upcoming week. No, oh, <laughs> somehow, some way. Yeah. But huge shakeup. Obviously, some of those losses with Clemson uh, and Alabama lose, or yeah, both of those teams losing is helping the Vols tremendously. Even before that, again, I think I think the Vols are going to close out their season. And I guess just to close out some of this college football, and we'll get to some, some NFL and some Titans here, but so much to shake out. I, I still fully believe, and I want to go back to this comment here from Hugh Gray. I want to see the rematch. I think Tennessee, Georgia, it's just got to be, it's that same Alabama from 2017, that rival kind of birth of a rivalry, if you will, on that championship level. But I think Tennessee just has they, – they needed that punch in the mouth. And Georgia, again, all credit to the Georgia Bulldogs for every Georgia fan out there, just straight-up credit because it was impressive. It was impressive as far as the fans showing out, as impressive as far as coaching, performance by players. Jalen Carter, unreal. And to think Nolan Smith was just lost and they didn't – I mean, what would that yeah. have been like, right? Yeah. So – all that to say, yeah, the rematch I think is is imminent. It is one of those things I am I am already waiting for, and uh, and Chase, if you drop off with a restart, we'll kick you out, kick you back in. Kind of yeah, bum me out. I, but yeah. it is funny because did you guys did you guys see uh, Zach Reagan's comment this week after the game? It's funny because it does kind of correlate with Kirby Smart because Kirby's second season they went eleven and one, tough loss to Auburn, got their ass whipped, and then come back. And go to the go to the college football playoffs, and Playoff. it's like, hmm. <laughs> so, like all this to say, it could wind up being very similar to that. Um, now, Tennessee is not the state that is the hotbed of Georgia as far as recruiting goes, but this team has got some fire, and if it comes back out, uh, they're going to have to score a crap ton of points again. I really think that this is a this is to a point now, and I don't know if you guys may agree with it. I don't know if you guys are just like, if you win, it doesn't really matter. I am to the perspective of now there's about six teams that are, if they play close games, like if USC barely squeaks out each game and Tennessee wins by, you know, 35 each game, because that could definitely happen mm-hmm. with the, the upcoming run they've got here. But if, you know, Oregon barely escapes or USC barely escapes one, that could really knock you out because you better get some point spreads. You better look like you're on fire. It's going to be all perception when it comes to that fourth slot, I think. Yeah. And it's going to get pretty dicey down here at the end because all, all three of those teams can really score. Yeah. And I'm not saying there could be somebody else that slides in here. I don't know. but Yeah. I do want to say, uh, as far as Hugh Gray's comment here, so does Clemson not get a spot in the, if the AC, a, ACC? Here's my thing. Drake may – is playing some damn good play. Yeah. And I mean, he's getting shout outs from a lot of big people that I love listening to, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that Clemson has a lot to overcome going to the ACC championship. If they can win, I mean, UNC is seven and one still right there. Is, is that not right? Yeah. And who, what was their loss? Who's their loss to Notre Dame? Funny enough. I mean, and they're obviously top, what, what, top, they're 25, but yeah. UNC is what? They're ranked, 17, right? 15, yeah, sorry, 15, 15. 15. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Clemson could, but there's just so many good teams on the cusp right there with one losses that that make your make your <laughs> all right. <laughs> what a comment coming from you, too. We've, got... we've officially been hacked, guys. Love it. We've, we're officially famous, guys. Congratulations. 
Um, oh, hot girl. All right. Sweet. <laughs> all right. All right. Get it together, boys. Get it together. Um, but let's move to some Tennessee Titans talk. NFL, like I said, crazy day. I don't know if you guys had any money or any bets that were successful this weekend. I did not do anything because the weekend prior to that, it was just raining, just dis- disappointment left and right. Um, but let's talk Titans because from the beginning of that game, I straight up, as soon as we saw Ryan Tannehill not going, um, I, I honestly went in, and this was a great watch. If, if you have not seen the quarterback room on YouTube with JTO Sullivan, I highly recommend you go watch it. I actually shared some on my Twitter. Um, so check those out. But he did a great job kind of breaking down with Malik what his issues were, what he could do better, and then obviously play calling. Because some of these play designs that Todd Downing's putting out there, which we saw on display last night, and there's one screen that was – not you know, not fully developed to Jeff Swain that Malik kind of rushed it and he could have easily had, you know, 10 to 15 yards, if not more. But all that to say, um, did a great job showing how Todd Downing's designs of you know some of these routes where receivers are just like, there's no way you're making that throw. Um, doesn't really make sense. And then even if he's teaching certain routes or checks from certain routes to others, again, like potentially delaying a young quarterback in his development because there's the right way to do it. And then there's probably the Todd Downing way not to throw a ton of shade, but obviously disappointing. Yeah. Disappointing loss. I know we've had debates and discussions, but Todd Downing versus your wide receiver issue. I want to get y'all's thoughts, which is it? Because I've heard left and right. And I know rainy and other people have tweeted at us saying, Hey, this is, this is definitely it. But I'll pull my poll up while you guys respond because I have one as far as the four the four categories, officiating, Malik, wide receivers. No, excuse me, officiating, uh, offense. What else was there? I'll get it, but you guys tell me your thoughts. What was the biggest factor for the Titans in that loss last night? I, I think I have to go with the play calling again, uh, and specifically in the second half. Now, admittedly, I think we all – we're going into this game, especially after last week. It's like, okay, we kind of got bailed out a little bit because we were playing the Texans. So we were able to overcome that because we'll just run the ball 114 times and and it's going to be fine. We don't have to throw the ball. Yeah. But I got to admit, I'm in the car on the way back from Birmingham trying to get back for the watch party and I see the official announcement that Malik Willis is starting over Ryan Tannehill. And it's like, <laughs> but- um, my eyes are starting to get a little bit moist. Let, get me a tissue because I, <laughs> I, I, I just can't. I can't. Um, Malik was improved from last week. Um, he did what we needed him to do in the first half. For the life of me, I don't know why we went away from run pass option and basically running Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry had two touchdowns in the first half, you know, on 10 carries, I believe it was. And then in the second half, we decided we wanted to start throwing the ball all over the place. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and just from the moment they came out in the second half and it was three and out, I'm like, Oh boy, here we go again. Second half Titans. Cause they were very creative in the first half. You know, let's fake a handoff and roll Malik out. Let's, you know, fake the handoff and do this and that. And Malik made some great throws that were dropped. So I, obviously the wide receivers are an issue, but as far as the bigger issue in this one specific game, it's it's got to be the play calling because I mean there were a couple of possessions where we ended up punting at midfield where you get one of those in a field goal you end up winning the game in regulation, but I just don't know how this is going to be allowed how long this is going to be allowed to continue because we had a problem with the last coach being too loyal to assistant coaches and it looks like we may have a similar situation here. 
Yeah, Chase, yeah. what'd you think, man? That's frustrating, and that it's so frustrating to watch this downing part because there's there are times. Uh the the little tight end screen, they got the first down, all that stuff looks good at times, but then it just feels like he is too creative or too too cute. Let's not I'm not I'm not gonna give him credit with the creative part. Too cute for his own good. Mm-hmm. Because just keep going back to the well, man. Just keep yeah. going back to the well. You don't have to hand the ball off every time, but you know, do things that work in Malik's favor. And I don't feel like it's it's not that hard. You're just gonna have to play simple. Like this is the best team in the world that mucks it up and makes it a close game. Mahomes threw it 68 times, man. Ridiculous. 68 times. Think about it this way. Will there ever be a game ever? Again, where one quarterback only completes it five times and the other guy completes it for 43. That may never happen again. That's and then they, they won in overtime. And they won in overtime and it took a comeback. <laughs> this That's is not- they're they're just like wild things looking at this game. Uh but I don't know. It's the play calling, and but really those wide receivers, this is Really, it's one of the worst I've ever seen, like worst overall groups. And, you know, we really need Burks back as far as that goes, if you're looking at it from that perspective. Desperately. But that's not great. And the more and more this season goes on, the more and the more – I understand the long-term effects, but I know Craig and I were talking to our group text. If they don't figure out this Jeff Simmons thing and they have let A.J. walk, this would be a huge miss. I don't know if – I don't know how you guys feel, like – the AJ walking part early on, you rationalize it because okay, you got to pay Simmons if you're the Titans. But it's crazy because it feels like all the Titans need right now is a guy like AJ Brown. And I don't want to be the guy who brings that up, but like it's it, that wide receiving group is the probably the worst in the NFL right now. It's it's really bad, and I want to make a, make mention of this because. Let's play the video of it, and, and it's Paul Kaharski's video for you guys watching. I'm sure you've already seen it, but it's it's NWI kind of giving his thoughts on – we'll talk about it. Uh, you know, we just go back to work. Uh, no one was saying this, you know, earlier in the year, you know, when we were making plays. So I'm just going to ignore all that and go back to work and just try to make get better and make the plays that we need to make. That's all it is. It was a bad game. Had a few bad plays, and we just got to go back to work. All right. Let your boy have the stand here for just a second because I'm approaching the bench. And this stuff really irked me last night because on one side of the room in that locker room, you got Jeff Simmons sitting over there talking to Teron and Jim Wyatt and everybody. And he's you know being asked of how he feels. And like he's clearly hurt on that ankle. And it's not feeling good. And I'm sure he's got you know other things that nicks and booms and all that kind of stuff and all that. But the fact is he's saying whatever we got to do. And that defense, man – Played lights out. I mean, Tier Tart, Andrew, uh, Andrews, I'm forgetting his name, his first name, uh, 47, the, the guy that we saw a few weeks ago that we just had no idea where he came from. Um, but other players that are stepping up. But there were there was one instance where Tier Tart smartly, because this is where Mahomes is just so good, is you you try and get him for that sack, and he takes you one way, and all of a sudden he's turning that corner. But Tier Tart played really well, in my opinion, but the receiving group on the other side is saying nobody's talking about these issues, which literally everyone's been talking about the whole year since we lost A.J. Brown. How are we going to fill the hole of A.J. Brown? Robert Woods ain't doing it. Got him on my fantasy team, and it ain't going well. 
right? Here's my opinion. I understand the finite idea, right, of the salary cap right now. The Titans have $1.36 million available. We're also owned by a family that owns a ton of other assets. And here's how, in my opinion, this should work. You pull out whatever cash you need to pull out and find someone like OBJ, who's sitting out here on the complex sports podcast talking about, I'm looking for a place to go for three to four years. And for anybody out there that wants to throw this trash out there, he's a baby. He's not going to block downfield. You don't watch the tape. I'm sorry. You don't know what you're talking about. And I'm coming at those people because it's a lazy, like, what are we supposed to do? Give me the baby OBJ who's not going to block downfield versus Cody freaking Hollister. Yeah. Who literally won't turn around for a hitch route and then get sniped mid route for other games. The guy is, I don't understand how Josh Gordon got cut. What is he doing today? Please give him a call. But all that to say, I I just cannot get it off my chest enough to say the mentality and to give it, you know, to give NWI the benefit of the doubt. Say he's just given the Vrabel regurgitated canned speech of let's avoid this topic and move on. Hey, we we're gonna move forward. And but the comment of saying it's like the, the lack of self-awareness to say we're not performing well when not a single receiver catches the ball. Well, nobody was saying that a few weeks ago. And it's just like Okay, off my soapbox, but give me your thoughts on on the receiver, the, the, the comments there, but even too, like, what can the Titans do or what should the Titans do, in your opinion, to address it? Because, again, Chig, Hooper contributed last night. We had other guys, but if you have a guy that can draw attention, even a little bit like an OBJ, you know he can do it. I think this offense could take some big leaps, especially with Tannehill coming back. But let me give the floor back to you guys. Give me your thoughts. And, uh, yeah, big complex issues for the, the Titans. So I'll say this. I know that Malik Willis is getting a lot of the heat. Um, but, I mean, he's a first-year guy who was thrust into action. Nobody thinks that he's ready at this point for the big stage. He's just not. Uh, and if you're one of those people that says that they should start Logan Woodside over Malik, just leave, please. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> he shouldn't. Um, there were three plays specifically where Willis recognized, Hey, I've got man coverage. And he put the ball exactly where it needed to be. Like all three times, Chris Conley right in the hands drops it. <laughs> Nick Westbrook, Akina right here. Can't bring it down. Hits the ground. It bounces up in the air. It's right there. He still could have had a chance to grab it. Didn't do it. And the third one, was the Hooper play where he clearly was bulldozed yeah. for pass interference, even to the point where the corner stood up looking for the flag and was shocked that there was not one. Um, like you said, it's, it's a ridiculous situation that I know that you put all of your eggs in the Traylon Brooks basket, but he's hurt. Um, thankfully he'll be coming back soon, but the group you've got out there is just terrible right now. Um, back to what Chase was saying a few minutes ago, talking about the difference in the amount of passes. Uh, Kansas City completed 38 more passes than Tennessee, and that is the biggest differential between two teams in NFL history. Yeah. Um, does anybody want to take a guess at what the previous record was? The year was 2009, and it was that awful, awful game where the Patriots beat the Titans 59 to nothing. So we've extended oh, wow. our own record. Now, in, in that game, 
there were, <laughs> yeah, in that game, there was 38 passes completed by the Patriots, and Kerry Collins completed all of two passes the whole game. Tough so the old record, Kerry. the old record was 36. Now it is 38, and we are both there together. So. Congratulations, guys. We made history. Yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> I want to throw some comments up here because Craig's throwing some good stuff out here and says, I don't give a damn if OBJ blocks at all. Also, back, says Rabel, Rabel can't talk about it. Not having a wide receiver is a J-Rob thing. I remember draft night, you could tell he was mad when they traded AJ. Here's the thing, though. Whew. Bring up AJ Brown. He was showing his ass last night. Oh, Twitter, my God. Saying nobody's open, then retweeting himself. And, and it was a fact. He's not wrong. Just how childish and how petty and even to think like Vrabel was the guy to go out here saying like Craig says, you could tell that he was visibly ugh, like he had to get up, take a, take a walk for a second. But the dude just shows. And again, like it's fun, but Oh, I'm, you know, I'm kidding. Then he deletes tweets. It's like, bye. Like we can find another receiver. We don't have to have AJ Brown. Like we don't, he is fantastic. He's wonderful. However, that type of stuff is the same type of stuff that people were saying years ago about OBJ being this diva. Like this guy's on living on Twitter talking shit about his old team when he walked away from the negotiation table. Yeah. And he's what? doing okay. And he's doing okay over here. He is you know, for sure. Doing, Good for him. Doing fine. He's got his money. He's got his yeah. stats, all that stuff. Um, I cannot yeah. wait on that fan base to turn on him. It's a matter of time. He's going to have a bad game or two and they're going to eat him alive. And I am going to have a front row seat for it i, I cannot wait that because you want to you don't want to be a bitter fan when somebody leaves your team but how in the world is aj brown likable to anybody in this fan base right now like you got paid you got what you wanted you're on a team the last undefeated team in the nfl shut the hell up and do your job and quit making a scene with your old team and making fun of them i mean nobody would know who you were had this team not drafted you I do think, though, as far as um, uh, and Craig's stories comment, oh, I know AJ is a diva. I would have kept him and let him walk after this year. We are likely rebuilding. I agree with that. We're likely rebuilding next year, anyways. I think that's kind of the the bottom's going to fall out at some point, in my opinion. Um, but all that to say, I think, like you mentioned, Traylon Burks. I don't know how much he's going to carry. I, I think it's funny that people right here saying that Kevin or Kevin Phillips, Kyle Phillips, is too small, where he is. 5'11", like 199 or whatever yeah. it is, just the same size as your traditional slot guy, just like he's supposed to be. But you do have to acknowledge the amount of players that are injured on the team if we're going to get whomever back and whenever they're going to be coming back. But like you mentioned, if Traylon Burks does go this weekend, is it Denver this weekend? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's something we can talk about Thursday. If you guys are going to check – if you're watching with us right now, be sure to come back again Thursday at 30 Eastern Standard Time, and we'll be discussing kind of the upcoming weekend for the Vols and the Titans. Um, but, yeah, other topics here. Um, there's a ton of ton of comments, and I really appreciate the activity tonight. Um, I wanted to throw one specific comment up here, and I don't know. Maybe you guys buy me some time here. Um, well, while you guys are doing that, I will yeah. say this. Uh, Derek Henry getting to form with another 100-yard game. Um, no what. you know i love it man i it was inevitable i mean he's like thanos i am inevitable it's just a matter of time i mean i love like watching before the game and like they're showing derrick henry arriving at the stadium and this his outfit this week was on point he's wearing this, <laughs> this red like velvet lined suit this, i mean just looking like a million bucks out there and then yeah. to have over 100 yards and two touchdowns in the first half it's just 
you could tell, like seeing him on the sideline in the second half, he looked frustrated too. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say there were some positives to take from it. I mean, that that's probably the best game I've seen out of a Titan secondary in recent memory with a bunch of guys that most people have never heard of. And they're only going to get better because I mean, you're yep. going to be getting Molden back in the near future. You know, uh, things started kind of getting away from him again when, you know, lo and behold, Bud Dupree having trouble with his hip again. It's like, my yeah. goodness, how many times is he going to have trouble with this hip? I know, but the thing so, about it is, is if there's two guys, if there's two guys that kind of prove their value even more week in and week out, funny enough, one of them is Bud Dupree. God, if he could stay healthy, he makes the biggest difference. You could tell once he went out, what happened? It's like, yeah. damn, man. Like, and Patty's going to be Patty. Look, he's, he's incredible. He made four or five just wow plays. But, dude, that Bud Dupree aspect – it makes such a huge difference. That's three times this year he's left a game and you could see a significant drop off. You're like, Tech freaking gummit, just somehow stay healthy, man. But also, last thing here on Braves, I don't know if there's ever been any guy that's gotten more out of less. <laughs> Even this week. I mean, this was all over every national podcast I listened to in the last seven hours that I could. Like it was just it's crazy. These people are just like I know it's a loss, and you, we, you know, I'm sure as a coach, he is a hard against kind of guy when it comes to moral victories. But to give a moral victory to somebody, it's it's Braves because he like makes these things happen. Yeah, and as I said earlier, he kind of mucks it up and makes it ugly and wins ugly. And yeah, to be a little bit of homerish call here, like he is impressive, and it's be it's getting. More noticed even in losses, funny enough, because you're like, there is no way you should be making these games tight in KC. Yeah. When Malik Willis and a pretty bum wide receiving group that cannot get separation. Yep. Did they have it? Did they they didn't complete a pass to wide receiver, did they? Nope. Not the whole game. None. Yeah. yeah. And you took them to overtime. Yeah. Crazy stat. I'll, I'll say this. Yeah, Gavin, hello, buddy. I saw some comments from you earlier, but uh, Brabel finds a way to win. He can put that on his damn tombstone one day. He finds a way to win. I do want to go here, guys, because officiating last night was a storyline that I'm Oof. tired of mm. seeing in the NFL. going to throw this up here for us. Obviously, this play on the final what was a two-point conversion attempt that ended up, you know, the Titans ended up, that was, like the, that was like the seventh attempt for the two-point conversion, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously there's a lot of debate happening with – I mean, this even goes back to, for me, of Gerald uh, – Grady Jarrett with the Atlanta Falcons sacking Tom Brady not the right way, if you will, and literally had him in perfect form. But in this instance here, um, it's just one of those things for me that clearly the definition of the rule is right here. Obviously, you can see that. Even illegal contact uh, and other, you know, you could say unnecessary roughness. There's even an ambiguous side to the helmet rule where if you take your own helmet off and you throw it or do something reactive, that's 15 yards. But if that you happened throw somebody, too. Yeah, if you throw <laughs> yeah. somebody else's helmet off. Um, but my thing is, and I don't want to go on this road of, of the Titans, this small market team, and they want the, the – I mean, the Titans didn't score – I mean, they didn't do much in the second half. They didn't really have anything going for them. Malik went from like 78 positive yards to like negative two yards at one point. But all that to say, I mean, 
did you come away from that game saying the the officials played a 25%? What what chunk of that would you say they played in the outcome of this this game last night overall? Mm, I don't know that I could put a percentage on it. It seemed like the game was pretty evenly called until the second half. The second half, it just seemed like every time the Titans would start a drive, uh, the Hollister hold. Did you guys see that? They called a hold yeah, on Hollister or an illegal contact. And he was simply like running across the line. I never saw him do anything. Um, and then, the, like you said, Travis Kelsey, not once, but twice with not even like objective calls, like very subjective by definition. If you go hands to the face of a defender and remove their helmet, that is a penalty by definition. There's no gray area to it. If you take your own helmet off the field to celebrate or to be pissed off like he was, he spiked his helmet like a football on the field of play, never did it. That never, never flagged it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just as tired of it as everybody else. It seems like there's no level of consistency and there's no level of accountability either. At all. Um, no, like, you know, we, we have, we make the coaches and the players do post game press conferences, but the access to referees, oh. you know, you have one little room and you have to get like special permission to like be, you know, ask them one or two questions. And then even then you don't, get the information you're looking for. So I, I typically hate being the guy that blames the officials, but I find it really, really bad that there were two obvious missed calls, and it just so happens to be against Mike Rabel, who has been very outspoken about how crappy the officiating in this league is. And it's funny because pregame, these half, you know, half midfield meetings and people are throwing and getting warmed up, and Rabel's right there talking to the referee yeah. saying, hey, ugh, listen to this. I'm uh, going to throw some comments up here. Gavin saying, I literally threw my remote at the wall because of that Kelsey play. <laughs> Fact. Craig, Craig Story saying, Trey Smith got away with one on one of the Mahomes. There were several, several holding calls that were not breaking. I mean, and it's it's sneaky. It's technically right because a lot of these guys are getting held. Like T.R. Tart at one point had, an, had a lane towards Mahomes, and the guard was just pulling right inside of his his – I guess upper shoulder pads or in, inner shoulder pads and just keeping them right there. But um, uh, he held a ghost. Nicole Chipman coming back in here. Thanks for joining us and sticking with us from the Pacific Northwest. But I do want to throw our guy David Deering some love here because obviously to talk some NFL, how about them Colts where the dumpster fire is raging at Jim Irsay's house tonight? And I don't know what to think of Jeff Saturday announced as their new. Obviously, David, tell oh, us what you think. I love it. <laughs> I love Jeff Saturday. I do love I Jeff Saturday. I hate first the coach, idea of rooting against him. Yeah, he's, he's he is now the first coach that has never coached college or the NFL to start coaching since 1961. I think some some got random guy. I don't know who it was. Uh, his name is uh, Norm Van Binklin, and he was 38 percent as a coach, 66 101 as a record <laughs> or seven. Yeah, me, seven ties. So yeah. I will say too, I really did think Ellinger was gonna at least like try to do something, be somewhat like entertaining. Your boy is terrible. Like I you can't really tank in the NFL. I know they are pretty hard against that, but man, have the Colts figured out a way. 
Sorry, man. <laughs> David yeah. threw this one out. Never go full Jim Ursay. <laughs> David saying Jim has gone full Robert Ursay. You never go full Robert Ursay. Horns down from Gavin. I mean, it, it is very much laughable. Yeah, Norm Van Brocklin, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I think he was going from 1960 as a player and mm-hmm. went directly to 61 as a coach, yeah. which is incredible. Uh, different time and different era for sure. But, I mean, my thing here is this, is I will say this about the AFC South. I do think the Jags could sneaky compete some of those. I mean, they've, they're the, one of the healthiest teams right now, but they're losing by a few points. I mean, they're, they're the second most statistically, I forget who put it out, that they're the healthy, second healthiest team, second to the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Um, correlation there? Who knows? We'll, we'll find out sometime. Um, but all that to say there is um, f- for the Colts, I mean, where like why i i don't know if it's one of those things that they're legitimately trying to you know they look at mike Vrabel, former player and and having a great time and, and is a leader of men all those kind of things again you like jeff saturday i'm sure he knows football but he's gone full jim mercy so we'll see what happens on that side i've got to yeah. say i was talking to david earlier today and his quote when i shared with him the news that he'd been fired he said i hope they made him walk off <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's – and someone threw this idea out here. And let me know what you guys think about it. Frank Reich, Titans offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach for Malik coming in. If that would – if there was to be a change and they can make it, I'd bring him on as an analyst. Just like you have Tim Kelly sitting waiting there, which that might be the topic yeah, of choice. Yeah. If, if they do fire Tom Todd Downing, Good Tim Kelly is the dude, right? Yeah. I, I really do think that's Frank's – best spot the head coaching gig if that's who you're going to go after every year is just like the old slow quarterback that's you know you're his next to last run i'm sure matt ryan will get a little i don't know if he's gonna retire but um if he goes somewhere else you know he'll be a good backup i mean somehow the the commanders are letting wentz do his thing but uh yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy because that would be a good thing for Frank. I just don't know if that's going to happen to bring him here because it's not one of his boys. But dang man, like the Jags, they got ETNs playing well. I, that guy's had like four one hundred yard games in a row. Uh, but I, I will say this: the the South divisions, as Craig said, brutal, yeah. brutal man. I don't it's know. If you guys, did you guys watch that Rams Bucks game on? Second, second half of that. I didn't see the finish. I heard about the finish, but yeah, some of it was just like, uh. yeah, it's boring. Like, I, I will say the now the NFL overall in general is pretty boring this year. Yeah, uh, low scoring. Um, but that game right there was you're if you when you're looking at that at the beginning of the year, like man, I can't wait for that week. Yeah, dude, it was brutal. It was yeah, so bad. So- it's so the, bad to watch Tom Brady and Matt Stafford be this <laughs> just snooze fasters. Sorry well, I mean, to Tom. Was... I know everything's going on in your life, but come on. <laughs> but come on, bro. <laughs> Figure I mean, it out. Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, my god, Stinks on ice. Absolutely stinks on ice this year. But I, love it. I, I mean, yeah, Steven Steiner just throwing it out there. Packers are bad. And it's funny because post-game pressers – Rodgers is saying to simplify the offense. And, of course, LaFleur, which I could go on about LaFleur kind of being the, the genesis of this getting too cute because Arthur Smith got too cute yesterday in Atlanta. 
obviously you guys saw the the highlight of their defensive tackle scooping up the fumble then fumbling the ball as he was running down the sideline unbelievable so falcons um but all that to say i mean the packers and even brady it's like this is getting bad but some of those games i mean even for uh the lions to get that out and it's just i'm like let's just pack this week up and go home but um I got to say, we need to revisit our segment from a few weeks ago about fan or fraud. Let's do it. And I, I totally said the Packers were not it. I totally said the Bucks were not it. And you remember who I said was? The Jets. Who did yep. the Jets just beat? The Bills. The Bills, baby. Somehow, right. some way. They're, they're I, just figuring They out. have my attention. I don't know how they're going to keep doing this. but And I know that they've lost, they've lost their running back, right? Like, he's done. Yeah, Brees was amazing. Yeah, yeah that's so. that really sucks because he was that boy can work. And that, to mm-hmm. go back to another part, I mean, the Bears. Gavin was talking about the Bears, mm-hmm. dude. Justin Fields these last mm-hmm. three weeks, holy, He's figuring it out. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Even Mike McDaniel, stop, just please stop. <laughs> that was hilarious. I love that dude. And two of that guy. Jake, uh, Catfish Jake and I were going at it on Twitter on Saturday talking about Alabama quarterbacks. And traditionally speaking, if I, I, I would not draft Bryce Young in the first in the first 10 picks. I don't think that and this is a whole different debate, but obviously Tua going out there and having a phenomenal day. It's good to see him having some success, especially coming after that kind of cringy moment whenever he got slammed pretty hard. Um, but I do I do want to go friend or, or uh, fan or fraud if you guys yeah. want to jump into that, because. I want to say this as far as one team that's impressed me, and I did not. I don't know if we even spoke about them last time we did Fan of Fraud, but the Minnesota Vikings are, and obviously Kirk Cousins on that plane, shirtless with some chains, and having his little dance party up there. I mean, it is, it's it's fantastic in my book. I'm a huge fan of the Vikings. I'm a huge fan of obviously them getting T.J. Hawkinson. He immediately hit the field and he immediately had an impact yesterday. Big fan. You guys tell me what you think, fan or fraud, and tell me in the comments. Yeah, I'll do my best impersonation of a different quarterback. But you like that, baby. Let's go. Chase, fan or fraud for the Minnesota Vikings. They haven't beaten a lot of people, but they beat everybody in front of them. I'm a fan. I'm a yeah. fan. Like that, They've got too much talent. Dalvin, Justin Jefferson. I know Thielen's not what he once was, but I'm a fan. Getting some criticisms on my impersonation. I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm looking at their schedule. Their only loss so far this year has been to the Eagles. So that, that looks one. good. That 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 looks good, you know, because that's I mean, you would expect that. And I'm also seeing the for the first time the shirtless Kirk Cousins. Oh my it's, god. It's yeah, it's a tough look. Yeah. Uh, I mean, come great. on, good to give the guys some credit. The chains cover up a lot of the dad bod, but it, it I mean it's cool to see Zadarius Smith right there with him, former you know Minnesota or a former Packer, going to the Vikings, sitting there just having a good time. And I think that's the kind of stuff that Vrabel made a lot of it in the pre pregame deal with Rodney Harrison, talking about how the Titans are no fun and kind of throwing some shade at, at AJ a little bit. But when teams are having fun, obviously winning fixes everything. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it was a lot of fun, and I'm a big fan of the Minnesota Vikings. But I see the loss to the Eagles, but I see wins of four points over the Lions, three points over the Saints, and three points over Washington this week. And I'm just not sure I'm ready to buy in just yet. Yeah. I will say this, though. I feel like the Commanders are that They play the Bills next week, so we'll find out something. (laughs) You're going to learn a lot. 
but I, mean, I know early on the commanders lost four straight. They won three straight, lost yesterday to the Vikings, obviously kept it close with a competitive team. The commanders seem like a pretty like a sneaky competitive. Obviously, their their front seven def- defensively uh gave us a, bu- a bunch of problems when when we played them, uh, where we won 21 to 17. I just think, yeah, you mentioned the commanders. I'm thinking they beat it, they beat let's see, Bears, Packers, Colts, not a ton to write about about they beat the jags but sneaky team you know we'll see what happens but um other teams i know we visited let's talk about man i think you could just go so many different routes seattle seahawks are we still fans are we frauds or what where are we at with them because geno smith whoops (laughs) hit the wrong button there um geno smith i think that they what they lost yesterday i believe if that is correct. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. They won over the Cardinals yesterday, 31 to 21. I still love the fact that they've won four straight, six and three atop of the NFC West. I don't know what the division looks like as a whole. Um, San Francisco, four and four. Rams, three and five. Three. I mean, they've basically got it pretty, pretty solid here. A couple game lead, but fan or fraud of the Seattle Seahawks, boys. Big fan. Big fan. I've put them in any sort of bet they've just kind of looked great um gino coming alive at age 32 is a funny thing because it just doesn't happen but he looks really good and as i mentioned a couple weeks ago he's the kind of guy that just runs this offense that's one thing that they let russ cook that bull crap got him out of there real quick because this offense is pretty good and lockett Mm -hmm. metcalf are Really good. Fant had a great play for them this week. And they I they're another team that just finds running backs. They're it's similar-ish to San Francisco. If you fit somebody in there, man, it kind of just works for those guys. And Kenneth Walker does it this week. And I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I, I was on the fence with these guys, but I gotta say. I'm a fan. Um, It's hard to argue with Geno Smith right now. I mean, he was named the Offensive Player of the Month in the NFC. Uh, This last game, he went 26 of 34 for 275 and two touchdowns. Uh, Add that with, you know, Walker the third, uh, 26 carries, 109 yards and two touchdowns on that end. I mean, my goodness. Um, Pretty well balanced as far as, like, uh, you know, passing and rushing and to have that group of wide receivers. You know, there's a lot to like there, and uh, they seem to be clicking on all cylinders at the moment. Yeah. Obviously, yesterday, uh, Cincinnati had a massive, massive day. Let me throw this up here on the screen for you guys. Huge win over the Panthers. Obviously, nothing home to write home about, but Joe Mixon, what, five touched, four touchdowns, 153 yards. Ridiculous. But Ridiculous tell me, guys. Day. And here's why I asked this, because the Bengals, big convincing win. Joe Burrows had a, a couple good games in the last few weeks. Steelers, Titans, Chiefs, Browns, and then they kind of finish. It'll be interesting at the end for them. Baltimore's on top five and three of the division right now. Do you think – I, I, I'm a fan of the Bengals after yesterday. They seem like – I mean, I, I feel like Joe Mixon's probably the best all-around back if we're talking about catching ability, obviously running ability. Not the best, maybe one of the best in the league. But um, fan or fraud of the Cincinnati Bengals, boys. Give it to me straight. I don't think I'm I think they're a little bit fraudish. Go that offensive it. line, it's too bad. Car- the Carolina Panthers are not very good. They had a cool, they had a cool like week. Yeah. 
yeah. post post firing, but they're not good. They're not good. Um, <laughs> how in the world the Browns? Sorry, they play college team. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, the Browns beat them. They win ugly. I, I, I don't know. When your offensive line is that bad, it just it's hard to give you any sort of fandom because, dang, if Tennessee didn't play as bad as they did last year, they didn't make it at that far. Yeah, and yeah. I just, hey, come at me. So yeah, so the Starburst lose to the Browns too. Is that how that works? <laughs> Man. Everybody's. Uh, Throwing some fraud. Sorry to jump in before you there, Blake. Yeah. Nicole Kidman, can I be a fanod? Fanod. <laughs> Taylor. Uh, I, I tend to agree. I do not believe in this bunch just yet. Um, a win over the Carolina Panthers is not going to convince me of anything. I mean, they're five and four. You know, it was no secret at all, um, even with their deep playoff run last year, that this offensive line was a huge problem. Uh, and, you know, to get as far as they did was a small miracle, but they didn't seem to do anything to fix the problem. Um, not having Jamar chase is going to be a huge problem. It's huge. a different team, whether when you have him out there versus when you don't. So to be second in their division, to be five and four, um, I know the AFC is a little bit down so far this year, but my goodness, you're barely beating bad teams and you're losing. I mean, you're losing by nearly three touchdowns to the Browns on Halloween. I'm nah, I'm not buying it. I uh, I was just looking over here as far as excuse me, um, which teams are going to be those wild card teams like the the in the hunt teams because it feels like several of the of our divisions there's a game two game let's see here two games and three like the Minnesota Vikings have a four game lead in their division right now obviously the NFC South is just hot and garbage uh, even nfc west is six and three seattle seahawks four and four and everybody else is trash i'm i'm thinking who is going to be even for the sake of the titans and lining up the potential of them having a second maybe maybe third round seed or whatever that would look like who would creep in that a first a first or second seed or second or third seed might be, get paired up with but obviously a ton of time to to tell there i'm just like you said chase th this has been a pretty disappointing like un eventful in some ways as far as sheer entertainment but um let's do this gavin throws it up fans or frauds of the tennessee titans because here's what i come away with from last night i did not anticipate the titans winning i thought malik would have some good strides i thought henry would they would have to have henry i didn't think that we would be going into overtime i thought it would be a pretty handily victory if i'm being honest but it makes me wonder if the Titans are able to compete with the Chiefs at home that way, how good are the Tennessee Titans right now? Because I feel there are so many people in, in the Titans Twitter community, our fan base community, who are so close to this team that you get so close to something, you lose sight of the, the grand scheme and the picture of who you're competing with because the Bills losing to the Jets. Jets are a good team. But for a little bit there, we put the, the, the Bills and Josh Allen, uh, you know, on this pedestal that you can't touch them and they're on top of the AFC. So guys, fan or fraud of the Titans as a un Homer unbiased opinion. Vrabel makes me a fan, to be honest. Like it's, as I mentioned earlier, he does more with less. Uh, but also just the fact of the division, you're going to get in the playoffs. You're going to be a top four seed. Um, and they can beat people. 
That's the thing. Is it really what what wins you football games in the playoffs? Running, running the football, playing good defense. That's kind of what they do. Do I think that the Tennessee Titans can make it any further than the second weekend? Absolutely not. No chance in hell for me. But they can win. They can win an win an ugly game in December because you probably have the most talented back that we've seen in a long, long time. And offensive line, it just it, it's the culture part of it, and that all stems from Vrabel. That guy makes this team do things that I really don't know if there's any other coach that's going to do as much as he can with with less. I really don't think there is. Blake, mm, I I think you're right. Um, I have never seen a coach overachieve with a group of guys that most people written off or either they'd never heard of them in their lives the way Coach Rabel does. And I was very much out on Rabel as the hire when it happened. It's like, why why are we hiring this guy? Why are we not going after a big name who's established himself in coaching? But he brings that knowledge, you know, to the other side of the ball. Uh, as far as like, you know, he can relate to his players. He can coach them up. He knows what motivates them. He's not, you know, strictly an X's and O's guy. He's been in those game situations. Um, I'm definitely a fan. Granted, there are, I mean, obviously there are issues. Um, you know, Tannehill getting hurt is huge. Uh, and I know a lot of people said that Malik should be starting over Tannehill to start this year. I would love to hear from those people right about now. Um, Tannehill is going to come back. The game the secondary played last night was probably the best overall game played by a Titan secondary in recent memory. You probably have to go back to the long playoff. (laughs) You probably have to go back to the long playoff run a couple of years ago. Um, But think about it. They're just going to get better. Molden is going to come back any week now. We lost Harold Landry before the season even started. If you can pay Jeffrey Simmons and get him back out there again, and basically bring this same unit back. I know it took a while for them to gel, but we saw some concerns with the defense to start the season. But even, I mean, Patrick Mahomes said before the game the other night that he he is legit scared of this Titans team and has no idea why people don't give them more respect. And I think it's because you see the obvious, which is they don't have a big-name wide receiver. They don't have a big playmaker. And, yes, that sucks. But you still got a generational talent at running back, You've got a coach who can coach. You it can motivate more out of co- out of players than seems humanly possible. Um, I, I, I'm a fan, and I think they're only going to get better. And like you said, Chase, I'm not saying they're going to make the full run through the playoffs, but if you win out in a in a weak division, um, that's going to get you in a top four seed, and that's at least going to get you a little bit down the road. Yeah, but. Anyway. But I'm yeah, I, I want people to see the forest. People can't see the forest for the trees, like Trey says. I mean, we were all probably devastated and overreacting in the moment last night. But if you asked me before that game, especially when I heard that Malik was going to be starting, I thought we were going to lose by multiple touchdowns. Yeah. And the way that game started, I thought we were going to lose by a lot of points. But they fought their way back into it. The guys do not give up, and uh, you can't you you can't measure that. Yeah, and I'm going to lean with Chase, and I'm going to throw about a sprinkle of homerism just because they're my boys and they're my team. But, I mean, Vrabel, Simmons, Tier Tart, Mario Edwards having a couple a sack or two last night. I mean, like you said, Blake, these no-name guys that Vrabel can just make better, and especially defensively, but they got to find. And I want to throw Craig's comment up here. 
Honestly, until the Titans can prove me that they can throw the ball at all, I lean frauds, and I agree with Chase. If is it first round, second round, they're not going to the Super Bowl, in my opinion. If they do, it'll be that same type of Bengals, and eh, they shouldn't be here. And, I mean, at the end of the day, and we talked about it earlier, I'm going to say fans right now, but they're about to be frauds, and it could be could be quick just because I think – got to pull up their schedule up here, but at some point it's either going to catch up where, you know, yeah, we can compete with the top team like the Chiefs, but week two obviously getting destroyed against the Bills is atrocious. But if they don't – I don't know that they can make any adjustment right now to try to improve. It's going to be more of the same, which is why I'm on that boat. Like they could fire Todd Downing, give Tim Kelly, who is, I mean, he came from Houston, knows Vrabel, you know, probably gives good ideas like Art Smith did for years underneath uh, whomever was the, the OC before. But all that to say, I mean, what a great question from Gavin to throw this out there for the Titans, just because, I mean, they do have a lot to prove, but they have. A lot to prove in the sense of going deep into the playoffs, but that defense, man, and Vrabel is enough. Stonehouse has been good. Obviously, Derrick Henry, I, I was shocked that he had 100 yards and they didn't pull the win out because statistically speaking, I think they're 18-3 and three now or whatever it is. But all that to say, um, yeah, I'm a fan of the Titans for the sake of what they what they are and being able just to be resilient and go on the road and, and all that, but – yeah, it's, it's a little bit more more to prove for me uh, against the big name teams, and and kind of closing it out and finishing it. Last comment here from Craig, and we'll close this puppy out and put a bow on it. it says the last pr- three playoff games are all losses because people stopped our running game and we couldn't throw it, and now we don't have AJ anymore. Frauds until they win a playoff game with the passing game. Here's the thing, in my opinion, you guys can tell me what, what you think here. That's not going to happen until they rebuild this team to be a passing team. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, here's the here's the thing that bothers me. It, I don't think it's as much as the team is stopping the running game as much as we are getting away from the running game because Todd just can't help but tinker with it. Because we know, I mean, some some of the best teams in the past couple of decades. So, perfect example: 2001 Super Bowl. This is when the Ravens were at their peak. Okay, the Ravens win the Super Bowl in a blowout, 34 to seven. How did they do it? They weren't throwing the ball all over the place. Does Damn anybody remember? People. Does anybody yeah. remember who the quarterback was in that game? Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer, who threw for hold, please, 153 yards, <laughs> 153 whole yards, and their running attack, 102 yards. Nothing crazy, pretty pedestrian, pretty normal. But what was the difference? That defense. The defense was getting the job done. Your MVP of the Super Bowl was Ray Lewis, a defensive player. So it's not to say that it can't be done. It's just I don't think anybody's really stopping the run game as much as Todd just Todd just gets too cute with it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have no idea why they got away from it as quickly as they did last night. They would give Derek one shot at it, and then they would pull him. And he wasn't even out there. He was on the sidelines most of the time. Yeah, so yeah. who knows? It's it is weird just to think how are you going to fire a guy who has a five and three record has been in the playoffs has you know has continuity with Tannehill like it, it's it sucks, but I think that's why you brought a guy in like Tim Tim Kelly to be the dude to be able to step in and have and maintain whatever continuity you need to, but the guy I mean I, I believe he's either been like an analyst or he was 
helping form scheme or uh, game plans and things like yeah. that. But, you know, um, we'll see. But I, I just think that unless they make that change and unless they find a receiver, this is what it is. You know, we're gonna. This is it. Yeah. So any other five, thoughts? We five turnovers in that Super Bowl, by the way. Five forced turnovers in that Super Bowl. That Damn. was like the Bucks with Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp, man. They just destroyed the Raiders that one. I forget what which Super Bowl it was numerically, but um, yeah, crazy defense can I mean do a lot you of do good. a lot. Yep. Um, but all right, thank you guys, everybody who's chimed in with us and chatted with us live. Appreciate you. If you are new to us, chat10.com. Every week we're putting up new content, new articles, and on our social medias, find us at chat10sports. Follow me at Trey Wynn at T-R-E-S-W-I-N-N. You can follow me anywhere on social media. If you're listening, I'll let Blake say his handle and Chase as well, but make sure to follow up because Blake's stats right here just makes me say, go follow this dude right here. 153 yards from old Trent Dilfer from some Super Bowl out of nowhere. <laughs> but yeah, Blake, take it over. And uh, yeah. Yeah, you sure. can find me on Twitter at Blake the RX guy. Um, yeah, just have a blast. Be sure to follow us on the socials. And if you're here in Chattanooga, we have some great watch parties. Uh, our yeah. new home for the watch parties, Tailgate Brewery, uh, down Beautiful. here in downtown Chattanooga. That, just a great venue. We have the whole second floor to ourselves last night. We had probably 25. 30 people, uh, great food, great atmosphere. The people who worked there were phenomenal. Uh, stayed there with us even after they closed the main floor of the restaurant. They came up and watched the end of the game with us. So uh, you can't really can't really beat that. So come join us if you're in town. We did Thank talk you. about before the food. Beautiful. Uh, drinks is good. Dude, they have a Thanksgiving pizza, fry. by the way. They have a Thanksgiving pizza right now. Ooh. It has turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing gravy and a cranberry drizzle on it oh my goodness i had it last night and it was awesome stoner food <laughs> yeah <laughs> no doubt about that dude that is, oh, it sounds delightful though uh yeah you can find me at mc green 423 on pretty much everything now um yeah we got a lot of good stuff coming out of here this week uh i really want some of that pizza now <laughs> and you won't be get, disappointed it's good yeah and now i'm gonna it's get good. eight hours sleep because i need it so all right, let me close it out one time for my guy Gavin here. Tighten up. Let's ride, everybody. Have a great week. Check back with us this uh, upcoming Thursday, 8.30. We'll be right back here. And again, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Thank you, guys. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. Hit the thumbs up and hit the bell for notifications because every time we go live, it'll prompt you to join us, and we love the interaction. So, guys, hope you have a fantastic week. I'm going to throw this sweet video I made back up, and we'll close it out. Take it easy, y'all. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chat 10 Sports, where we're talking all things Tennessee sports and everything in between. Feel free to chat.